0: My name is Preston Grace, and I'd like to welcome you to the No Walls Podcast. All right, so, um, it's officially spooky season now. <laughs> 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 it's that time. Best way to start a podcast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um... But yeah, do y'all. What's this? Is like your favorite, not spooky season specifically, but you like fall time,
1: right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm officially alive. Yeah. There's a version of Taylor that has now been unlocked about ten days ago.
0: Yeah. yeah. You like fall time?
1: Uh, I
2: feel like my favorite thing about it is that the coo- the cooler temperatures. Um, I sleep better. Mm-hmm. I feel like I <laughs> kind of have like hibernation tendencies. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's yeah, absolutely. And then like if we get. Like this year, everything because like not much rain and stuff. It all just went from like we went from like dry and thirsty to brown, and yeah. now the leaves are just dead. Yeah. So, but those years that we hit, like, man, we had good rain and stuff, and the trees are just like magic. And yeah. yeah. But yeah, as I'm a, a huge fan.
0: As a as a plant person, does it like do you not like the winter because everything's going dormant, or is it like a uh, there? There's like a if we had like in Oklahoma if we had like Colorado
2: winters. Oh, that's like magical because yeah. like. I just, I, I hate Oklahoma winters when it's like everything's dead, everything's super cold and everything's dry and just dirt. Yeah. Like that whole, like, there is no life. I'm surrounded in like Mordor or something like that. That
0: kills me. Yeah. So, um, have y'all been watching any, any shows recently? Is there anything that y'all been, y'all been on? Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. Rings of power. Rings of power? (coughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Is that the Lord of the Rings
1: one? (laughs) Yes, sir. Is it good? It's fantastic. So fantastic. Come at me, anyone who doesn't <laughs> yeah, agree. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can come to Brick Church thirteen oh two South York. I will argue all day. <laughs> the date. Anybody address <laughs> <laughs> Please come for me if you got any disrespect for that series.
0: Uh. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh with it being kinda Halloween-ish, Fallon and I actually watched Dahmer recently and oh, wow. we got through the whole thing. Um I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it, but it was definitely interesting. Uh, and some, I I was thinking about this the other day because at the end of... This, I guess, kind of spoils it, but it's like a real-life event. I'm about to spoil something, so if you don't want to listen to this, skip, like, 10 seconds. But <laughs> um, at the end of it, he's he actually gives his life to Christ in prison. And there's been, like, an uproar of people just like, Jeffrey Dahmer can't get into heaven? You know, that's ridiculous. He's even... Anyways, and me and uh, you, Taylor, have had conversations like this before, uh, not necessarily about him, but other things, and I just thought you, like, articulated it well whenever I'd asked you about this recently. So do you have have anything on that? Like, is it... On whether or not Dahmer could get into heaven? Yeah. (coughs) (coughs) Yeah, I mean, I do. Uh,
1: (coughs) I think things cannot feel true and still be true. Mm. And I think if we're not careful who will use um, our own human instincts of what justice is or right and wrong and cloud everything because it doesn't feel right. Um, My issue with anyone, not just Dahmer, Hitler, um, uh, my bio dad for the way he treated me as a kid, like um, any person that's done any amount of harm to any group of people or any one person, if someone can be like the exception to salvation then i'm going to be the exception to salvation like if jesus's death and resurrection is for some and not all then we will all find ourselves as being the people on the out yeah and so for me the idea that there could be anyone this side of heaven that is without hope or doesn't have the possibility of redemption means that we have the ability to be those same people. Mm -hmm. And so for me, as someone who's had a significant amount of trauma in life, so it isn't like I've lived a a cushy life, um, it's still true for me that like I have to live in a world where there are no exceptions to the rule that Jesus died for all. If Jesus died for some, then I'm going to find myself not being uh, the some that wasn't died for. And that's the issue with moments like this. Like, well, he did so much atrocities. It's like... Yeah, but like we've all sinned. Like we've all created chaos. We've all hurt people. That isn't to say that being a serial killer isn't significantly worse than someone stealing from a grocery store. Yeah. It's like the idea that like God sees all sin the same. I don't think theologically I agree with that. I don't think all sin is the same, but I do think all sin separates us from God. Yeah. And so there's still a gap between the people that we were called to be and the people we are, and that's where Jesus' resurrection need to come in. Yeah. It once and for all did away with all sin. And that's what's beautiful about Jesus' story is that, like, all can come to repentance. All can come to salvation. It's an invig- invitation to literally every person. So with Dahmer, like, I have to believe that there is an absolute real possibility. If that man if that man had a repentance in his heart and was genuinely remorseful and came to God, i was like, God, I wish I could go back in time and change what I did. But I'm here now. God, forgive me. Like, I have to believe that it is possible that that man might be in heaven right now. Yeah. And if I because if it isn't possible, that means it's probably true for me. Then I'm probably gonna be on the outside looking in, which is where it comes back to the whole scripture of like the conversation Jesus is having, I think it's in Matthew, where they're like talking to God and they're like, But Jesus, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons and we did miracles and we did this and we did that, and just like well depart from me, you never knew me. Yeah. Mm. Like has like to me that scripture is like both encouraging and terrifying <coughs> because there will be people in heaven that you thought were going. That aren't there potentially. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah, that is. But also it suggests to me that there are going to be people you didn't think were coming that are there as well. Yeah. And that's that's the part where, like, we work out our salvations, right? Like, I'm trying to be the person that gets there. And the idea that, like, we are going to decide who is or isn't based off of appearances, you don't know what's in anyone's heart. Yeah. So you don't know the story. You don't know what J- Dahmer went through. You don't know where he came from. What his thoughts were like. We, there's a lot of data points that exist inside him. even though we have a documentary on, that's not John Mer- Dahmer telling his story. Right. There's a lot happening that is to not justify for a second how psychopathic and crazy this dude was. Like right. under no circumstances do we explain away evil. Yeah. But all evil can be redeemed. Like 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 God can forgive all sin and God can bridge all those gaps. Mm. Uh. So anyways, that's my kind of way to break that down.
0: Yeah. Uh, I had a follow-up question, actually, on your the scripture you used. So you're talking about whenever they said that they cast out demons in Jesus' name and all this stuff. Do you think that they – did they believe in Jesus, or did they just not have the relationship with Jesus? What do you think he meant by, like, he didn't know them?
1: So we were asking great questions today. <laughs> um, I mean, it's hard for me to say what Jesus meant because, obviously, I'm not Jesus. Um I, my personal interpretation is I think they got I I think they missed the forest or the trees type thing. Like um I think it's like it was more like it became more about the thing you were doing than the person you were following. Oh, okay. Um and so like it's a heart issue, I think is what Jesus is communicating. So it's like, like I it I could be a successful pastor and not like people. <clears throat> I mean, like, I think it would be hard. I don't think it's sustainable, which is why I think some of people wind up collapsing. But like the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus are not the same thing. And you can just, dis- you can, you can like dissect the two of those. Yeah. And so you can put on a facade and a face and do things and go and go be a part of stuff and, and have the big churches. But then at the same time, miss actually the heartbeat of who God is Yeah. and who he's called you to be. So it's like, you can get more sold out to like, like, uh, like a tangible example, like <laughs> I could be so incredibly passionate about the church, the mission of the church, what we're doing in the church, and then just give zero time to my family. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I could grow a, a, a numerically large church, but sacrifice my family in the process. But like at no point would that be God's heart. Yeah. Like nothing in scripture to me suggests that ministry should be the priority of over my wife or my kids. Yet, we can do that so quickly. And so to me, I think that moment is what's happening. It's like, you got to heaven and, like, who thought your works are what did that? (coughs) Who thought you were a good enough preacher, a successful enough businessman, a great investor of finances? Like, the things you did, you thought were what earned your salvation, but it was never about your works, Mm. like, from the jump. Now, to be clear... (coughs) maybe this isn't important for anyone else because it's important for me. I don't think any of those people, like, lackadaisically did that. Mm. Because to me, the danger of that scripture would be like, well, crap. So I could just, cause I could think I'm following Jesus the whole time and, like, get to heaven and miss yeah. the whole thing? Yeah, Absolutely not. In yeah. my personal opinion, I think for every person in that story, uh, like, for every moment that's like that, that happens, I think God was, I mean throughout the whole process of that life, k- trying to redirect, yeah. k- trying to get them to call back, trying to bring them back to who they were called to be k- in their first love being Jesus. And so k- I don't think anyone gets to heaven. Like, I, I, with my whole heart, believe this. K- I don't think anyone gets to heaven and gets surprised. Mm. <laughs> k- I don't think you get to those gates and being like, what? No, I, I don't think that happens. Yeah, I think that's how God works. And so I think you're going to get there and it's going to make sense, whatever that verdict is. And so you're going to get there and be like, oh, well, depart from me, never knew me. Well, Jesus, I was chasing you the whole time. No, you weren't. That didn't happen. Like, I think Jesus was trying to speak throughout every moment that he could to get them redirected. So to me, I think the way that happens isn't like I was really endeavoring to follow Jesus because I think scripture communicates all about the heart. Yeah. Correct, right? Like like the the whole moment of, like, God selecting David instead of all the really strong brothers that he had. It's like... God, Like, man looks out the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Mm. And so, like, speaking of Ryan, our next ex pastor, he said this when I was, like, 16, and I've never forgotten it. But when God measures a man, he doesn't put the tape measure at the head. He puts it at the heart. Mm. And so for every one of those individuals when they get to heaven, it was always about the heart. Yeah. Scripture talks about how your constant your conscience bears witness for or against you. So I just think all throughout the journey of life, man, we have these opportunities to come back, to who Jesus is. And I think God is looking for every excuse possible to get people into heaven. I don't think he's looking for reasons to kick them out. And that applies for even Dahmer.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. Um, (coughs) is so I know we talk a lot about like, actually I've, I think we've talked about that a couple of times, uh, at switch, like the tape measure is at the heart, not the head. Um, this is going to be a very ethereal question, so I'm just, I'm just, uh, if it's too ethereal, then we'll, I'll <laughs> redo it yeah. or whatever. But, um, how do I, how do I get a look at that tape measure? Like, how do I, how do I gauge? Does that make sense? Like, how, like it is, is God the only one that can see that tape measure, or do I get a chance to like kind of tell how I'm doing?
1: Oh, that's good. That's a great question, Trev. Do you have an answer? Or do you want me to fire away? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I think there's two ways. So, I think um, I was just having this conversation today in a meeting. I think Christians, specifically, I think this is true for most people, but like this is specifically true for people of the faith. We have this like, um, like this capacity to like need answers to be profound or like super spiritual, like, like God has to part the sky or, uh, I need a sign Jesus. And then I can believe you. And I think almost all the time God is speaking through the natural, like I think 90% of what God is trying to get to, you can find just through natural means. Like he didn't need to part the skies and scream from heaven for you to know the next step you're supposed to take. So like when it's trying to figure out like, how can I gauge my heart? I think the first thing is like, Why? Like, why do you do what you do? (laughs) If you want to know what your heart on anything is, go back to the why. What is the reason I preach? What is the reason I show up to church? What is the reason I hang out with my kids? What is the reason we do Harry Potter marathons? What is the reason I smoke food every opportunity I can? Like, everything you do, come back to why. Why will tell on you. Mm. 100% of the time, I think your heart will happen and be clear to you, when you know why, what you do, what you do. Yeah. So I'm on that stage because I'm trying to prove myself to other people. I'm on that stage because I like the way it feels to be on that stage. I'm on that stage because I'm genuinely trying to use what God's given me to help other people. And the tricky part about your heart is it can be all three. Right. You can oh, yeah, wiggle in and out of that all day long. Yeah. I mean, you can swerve those lanes like you are Vin Diesel from Fast and the Furious. Yeah. And in my opinion, that's the difficulty of humanity. That's that's what this whole thing is, is trying to be on the right side of that why more often than not. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think it's a good, like, practice to constantly come back to why. Mm-hmm. To constantly come back to motives. To constantly come back to trying to figure out why am I doing what I'm doing? Because that's how those people got there. Yeah. <laughs> they got away from their why. Yeah. If you keep coming back to your why, it'll get you. Like, I used to ask Jerry this question all the time. Is like, <laughs> how do I know if I'm, like... Not saved, or how do I know if I haven't given my life to Jesus? I'm not like I don't have salvation. How do I know I'm not losing this thing? That, like how do I not know that I've com- committed the unpardonable sin? Like I would get so hung up on that. When I was a, like when I was a teenager, Ken, your response always the fact that you're asking is the evidence. Mm, yeah. The fact that you're concerned that you might hurt somebody is proof that you're not there. Okay. The fact that you're curious of whether or not you're going to make it to heaven or not is an insinuation that like oh okay, no no I haven't I haven't dipped out on Jesus like. Yeah. So if you will keep coming back to your why, you're going to find yourself not laying the right way more often than not. And the fact that you're still asking is an indication that you haven't been deceived. Yeah. All right. So now coming back to why is the first way. So always ask yourself why. I think it's just a good practice. Like once a quarter, if <laughs> everybody just decided they're going to ask themselves, why do I do the things that I do? Okay, I'm going to look at my whole schedule once a quarter. and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to ask myself, why do I do that? Why do I do that? Why do I do that? All the things that I just do a lot, right? Like, look at my schedule. Things that are repeating on my schedule. Why am I doing those things? That'd be a great practical rule for every person listening to the podcast to do. Once a quarter. Just ask why. Yep. Second side that, though. Because <laughs> what happens when I can't figure it out? Mm. What happens when I've got skin in the game? What happens when it's habit now? So I'm not sure, like, is this, am I supposed to do this? Or am I not supposed to? Like, that's where the people come into play. <clears throat> Uh, scripture talks about how you can judge something by the fruit it bears. I think that's true for us when it's trying to figure out uh, our heart. What fruit is it bearing? Yeah. Like, are you walking away exhausted beyond all belief and it doesn't fill your cup at all? Or does this add value to you? Are you energized by the thing that you do or does it take away from you? Yeah. Or are the people in your life better for the things that you do or are they worse for the things that you do? Yeah. Right, so when you're trying to figure out, am I in the right spot? you start looking at fruit, man. Is that an apple on that tree? And do I even want to eat that apple? And you keep coming back to that over and over and over again, and that will tell on you where your heart's at. And when you can't see it, you got to go ask people. So it's like even sometimes looking at the fruit is hard because it looks like an apple, but do I want to eat the apple? Like there's so much nuance even in trying to figure it out, and that's why community matters. So for me – when I get into the moments of life and I really can't tell if I'm holding this because God's given me to, it to me to hold or I'm holding on it because I'm afraid to let it go, that's where Jared and Ryan come in. Yeah. Help me see, man. I can't figure my why out right now. I'm a little murky on it. Like, is my heart right? Am I doing this for good reasons or am I doing this for bad reasons? And I can't read the fruit right now. It's very murky to me. It's unclear. Help me find my heart. And that's where the people you trust who love you and are for you and be honest with you come into play. Yeah. So, like, to wrap that up, the first one is ask why why am I doing what I'm doing? And I think 90% of the time we can find that answer. But that 10% of the time where we don't know, that's where you go to the community. That's where you go to your people that you trust, that love you and are fighting for you because they'll help you see it. They can help you see the fruit on the tree that you're blind to.
2: Right. Yeah. I think it was in, in community was the only time that I could actually, like, for myself, rec- recognize fruit mm-hmm. in my life um three choices and stuff or lack of yeah um because in my own perception it was uh like tons and stuff tons of hills that i was ready to die on were like taking value away from my calling mm-hmm. instead of it being like a contribution for further benefit and yeah. Um, yeah. So absolutely bringing, bringing strategic people into your narrative, like is, is absolutely a game changer. But yeah, as far as identification, like, or you said like, how do I gauge it or how do I measure it or whatever? Yeah. I think you have to bring other voices in yourself. I feel like obviously we have like the Holy spirit to be able to like shift and guide us in things. But, uh, yeah. Having a, having those voices and stuff on tap are I think ridiculously
0: helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you said something that I think is actually going to, like it would have like set me free whenever I was thirteen because you just said <laughs> that um, when you're wrestling with that question of like, am I safe? Like, am I really safe? Like, how do I know? Like, you know, the the, the <laughs> skies didn't part and God didn't tell me I'm safe. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Like, I sinned
1: again today and I said yes to Jesus yeah, yesterday. Exactly, Did it not yeah. work?
0: And but like the the thing is like, well, I'm still asking this question. Like, I still care about this. Like, that's evidence. And you know that that that's. It's evidence that I haven't strayed too far. Is like kind of thing, and I really like that you said that because that would help me. Oh, out it's so why. freeing. Yeah. it's so
2: freeing because like if you're if you're somebody
0: that's like say
2: you're a perfectionist or you're like an internal, uh, like you're just really, really judgmental, like on yourself and your actions and stuff like that. Like that, that for me was such a freeing concept of salvation and your walk with Christ is like, where's the heart position at? Like, let's evaluate the heart position outside of the action as well. Like bring it into the story, but recognize like you're still, you still have like the heart position of trying to chase this, this goal to get closer to his heart. And uh, and once again, bringing more people into the narrative and being able to have those kind of conversations is like it's kind of like the progress over perfection kind of concept. if you if you're comparing a baby a baby's ability to bench press a car compared to like an elephant it's like yeah. well what the crap there's 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 no comparison at all but if you take it for what it is as like, for what you have and where you're at and what you're asking and what you're growing, like, like you're, fo- you're just focusing on crying and milk and poop. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's your whole situation at that point and judging them for what they are right there and kind of, or I don't even say judging, I want to say evaluating them yeah. in their progress at that stage in comparison to like, it's like, well, of course, if it's, if you're judging an elephant by its ability to bench press a car, it's like, well, that's nothing for them. So like, does that, yeah. does that make no, sense? Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah.
1: The image of an elephant bench pressing a car is something Just, I need to yeah, see. Kind of like man, a, a his, cartoon yeah, bit. Trunk, that's exactly
2: the <laughs> picture that I, have. I
1: love <laughs> yeah. that so much. So I was listening to um a pastor at Dallas named Robert Madu yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he had a really interesting take on the disciples that like I don't know that. Maybe I've ever heard anyone hit before. But he was talking about like what was different about the disciples and really the rest of the people that followed them. Like obviously they had access, but like how do they keep that access to Jesus? You know, like like what makes them different? Because mm-hmm. I mean, there were people who were just as messy and clunky as the disciples were, obviously. And so you see it in <laughs> several of the parables that Jesus teaches, right? So he teaches these parables and then he like would end a lot of the parables with like and he they uh, they who have ears to hear, let them hear, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like what, would it, like what a really anticlimactic way for a daggum story to end, mm-hmm. right? And then Jesus would just walk away. Here's this awesome story Jesus is telling, real cool, but like, uh, he and the, and he who has ears, let him hear. Yeah. Oh, well done, Jesus. That's a great sermon. Yeah. What that means. What yeah. a beautiful orator. <laughs> and like, so then you know there's got to be a ton of people out here just like, what the crap did that mean? Right? Because then what we see next are multiple moments where disciples are like, okay, Jesus, but like, what does that mean? Mm. And it, it was the fact that they were asking the questions wow. yeah. that set them up to have the revelation. And I was like, I've never heard that before. The mm-hmm. great I takes. So shout out to Art but it did make me think like uh, there's a scripture. I, I can't, I wish I could cite it, but it says like, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. <clears throat> and I think like that scripture is really communicating to us that like, not that like, I, I don't think it's endeavoring to say that we should be waking in fear every day that God is gonna like suck our salvation away. But I think what's trying to communicate to you and I is that it's just a daily process. Cause mm-hmm. we'll just keep coming back to asking the questions. And we'll keep coming back to God. If we'll keep coming when we're winning, when we're failing, wherever we're at, God, I don't fully understand that one. Why did you do that? Yeah. Why did that happen? Why did this take that turn? Why did you answer this prayer, not that prayer? Like all of the questions of life just constantly coming back to it sets us up to be able to have the revelation. I think there's a lot of things God wants to say to people and that he's trying to say to them, like he's trying to communicate to them. We just quit too quick. Mm -hmm. We stopped asking. We got bitter. We got upset. Life punched us in the face because it has a tendency to do that. And we just gave up too soon. Mm -hmm. But like, there's something to be said about the constant pressing, the constant asking God's speaking the whole time. We sometimes we just got to get in the right spot to be able to hear it. Right. So it's like, if you're speaking facing one direction, I'm behind your head. I am gonna have a significantly harder time hearing you than if I get in front of you, yeah. and so there is something to be said about just I am gonna I am gonna circle the wagons. I am gonna come back to God every time I can until I can get in that right spot to be able to hear the voice the way He's calling me to, which is one of the reasons why like worship is so special, yeah. because it's this beautiful opportunity to finally get to get what we know to be true about us to line up with our feelings, with something our lead pastor Jared says all the time. It's like one of the reasons I love like we got a worship night coming up on November third. And one of the reasons I love worship night so much is because it's like this beautiful moment where 200 plus people have just decided for this hour of my life, I'm locking into who God is. Yeah, I'm, my, I, my phone isn't a concern. My conversations aren't a concern. Work does not matter. I'm about to get an hour of my life set aside so that I can get positioned to hear the things he's actually trying to say to me. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons I think God has like in the Old Testament men going to the mountain. You got the Moses, and you have all these people going to the mountaintops. I think it's just because like God's trying to get them like a beautiful scenery. Yeah. I think it's to be symbolic of like sometimes in life you've got to just get away, set some space to hear. And I think that's what the disciples were doing in those moments. It's like I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep asking until like it can click for me. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, back to what you were saying, like. The, the desire to know the constant questioning, the did I, did I not, is qualification for God to be able to do anything. Yeah
2: like like the concept of the fear and trembling like work out your salvation through fear and trembling um growing up that s- that specific verse for me was that mm-hmm. it was fear and trembling of oh my goodness i am struggling through these kind of things and i am fearful and i am trembling but if i bring this to him then it's a disqualification <laughs> so the oh, recognition yeah. of like the heart position for questioning the pros- like like think of that as like a not fear and trembling of being reprimanded by Christ, but, like, it being a... Like an invitation to him into your narrative to be able to process through, to work these things out. Um, Something that was so crazy growing up was so many people, and myself included, valued, um, I'll I'll say me, valued my relationship with Christ off of the reflection of the spiritual authority that was in my life. So, whether that be my mom, whether that be the preacher, et cetera, and stuff like that. And so I was only. Like, that was what was setting the pace. There was no individual relationship as far as me and Christ working out my salvation. It was somebody else dictating that, and I just kind of fell behind. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so for me, a really freeing thing in this stage of life was being able to recognize, like, the we've all heard the the common, like, you know not religion it's relationship kind of a thing and and it's like like breaking that apart into like clarifying it a little bit better it's like when you when you kind of look at that situation as being it it is a conversation it's a push and pull it's a progress kind of situation he is open for that communication and everything like that for that for me growing up in the, in the narrative that I had it was super freeing to recognize that and um jumping forward to like you you like the hunger for that the hunger for the questioning and the the daily processing and i think that's where you find a lot of people that you're like there's no way i'm ever going to see them in heaven you know that kind of and we all i mean i feel like we've all been there at different points in our life i've recognized like i don't know who has hope for you it's not me mm-hmm. uh it, i have hope that god has hope for you that's all i got for you but like i feel like that's i feel like that's a wild wild thing to chew on yeah. and i feel like that's kind of where that no, oh, kind of where that comes in. Watching, uh, you said something earlier about like like worship night, and it sparked a it sparked the thought. I fell in love with the idea of one on one worship, me and Christ, being able to have just that intimate upper room kind of moments and stuff. And I'm 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 coming, kind of coming out of the season of my first time really tasting what that feels and smells and looks like, right? I recognize something from the vantage point of being able to be on stage in a worship night type setting or even like a congregational style worship setting is I recognize that the end, a a person that's processing period, someone that is coming in with expectation powerfully, like they're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm coming in here and I'm chasing Christ. I'm coming with expectation that he is good, that he is who he says he is. And I've got something on me that I want to process. I recognize that person that comes in genuine with a genuine heart and a genuine wrestle overflows into the people around them. Mm-hmm. That the, the their processing is almost like an invitation for somebody else to be free enough to be able to also process with. And um, our Life Kids pastor here, uh, Haley Gray, has. Uh, there was a conversation that I had right when I first um, got on staff here with her about like, her walking into a worship service and she didn't know something was on her that she needed to process through, and at the end of the worship service, she felt a lot freer. She didn't know it was something on her. And then we had a secondhand conversation of what I recognized watching her just worship with reckless abandon and freedom in that moment was the whole shifting happened in the, in the side of the room that she was at, like the people around her felt free. And then I recognized that those people from that point on worshiped differently. So anyway, the concept of like, if you can get if you can get one person to recognize that their processing and their questioning and stuff like that is not a crippling moment or like a like a devaluing or a disqualification moment, but that it is like the one of the most important steps of being able to have intimacy with Christ. It's like it not only is going to be a game shifter for you and your process and your walk, but it's also going to be like a you might be that olive branch, that love letter, or whatever like that to somebody else to yeah, be and good. then so on and Absolutely. so forth. Anyway, that's thoughts. That's
0: yeah. Yeah, is that um? So like I like I I know what you're talking about. Um, I've like, I've seen that. But is that why corporate worship is important? Like, is that why we're so like big on like we meet together and worship? Like, is that the main reason, or is there is there something else to that? Is what the main reason? Like that, like the worship, the faith, like all that stuff is almost like contagious. <laughs> like, it, like moves around. Is yeah. that
1: kind of the? I think it's a huge piece to it. To say that it's the reason, I don't, I don't know. I think there's just they're, I think we were built to need it. So there's like there like there's a lot of things that come with that. Like uh, like when I make ribs, for example, um, there's a lot of things in that. <clears throat> like it's not just the it's not the pork. There are seasonings. There's sugar. There's butter. There's like sauces. There's the like fat rendering inside of the the pulled pork the uh, of the ribs itself. Like. There's like when you eat my ribs, you're not just eating ribs. There's a lot of things that made those ribs be and taste the way those ribs taste. And that's exactly what healthy community inside the church is. Mm. When you are a part of a local church, it's not just the invitation to like, oh, I'm not the only one here. It, it, it's experiences it's wisdom it's stories it's help when you need it it's food on your table when you can't feed your kids it's financial help when like you don't know what to do and life crossed you sideways and now you know it's not you out here no more in the cold by yourself but you've got a community of people who are in the ditch with you fighting yeah. for you uh <clears throat> it is it is those moments where it's like i've got questions but I don't know how to ask them. And I hear someone ask it for the first time. Like, I can't tell you how many sermons Jared Callahan has preached on stage that like he articulated the question. My soul had been asking for decades. Mm, Yeah. Decades. I'm 28. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) 29 now. Uh, (laughs) But like he had, he perfectly articulated the very question that I've always wondered, but not known how to ask it is those moments, yes, it is those moments where it's like you see someone worship in a way that you didn't know you could, right. yeah, maybe for you, church had always been a certain thing, and you step into a new world, a new atmosphere, a new experience, and you find out, oh wait, maybe there's there's more to that yeah. um i mean it's, it's all of the things, so yeah, I mean, I do think coming and being a part of a local church is a benefit because you get to see the faith in other people and it sparks faith in your own. But man, it is a lot more than that too. It's safety. It's hope. It's love. It's joy. It's laughter. It's serving. It's sacrifice. It's, uh, it's encouragement. It's strength. It's, 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 it's everything, man. It's, 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 it's. Simply put, it's what you are made to do. Yeah. And so, when you see something work in its proper capacity, it looks awesome yeah when you see Steph Curry shoot a jump shot it just looks right when you see Aaron Rodgers throw a football it just it looks right when you see Michelangelo paint something it looks right like and when humanity looks right is when it's in community Mm. when it's doing life for each other when it's fighting for each other when it's praying and helping and loving and seeking and Being all of the things that we're always supposed to be, when humanity is at its best, it's when there are safe pockets where people do life together. Yeah. That is heaven on earth in its purest form is a bunch of really messy, funky, dirty, broken people chasing a perfect Jesus and not lying anymore about how messy they are, but actually trying to help each other just become a little bit healthier each day. Yeah. When that happens, you have found heaven. Yeah.
2: It talks about in scripture about how important testimonies are, um, and reliving those in corporate worship settings and stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. is I think that's almost another like recognition of fruit kind of opportunity as yeah. well. Because for me, I. I watch in the faces of of everybody around, and like I'll use us as an example. Like in those situations, I'm watching my story play out on other people's faces at different points in my life. I'm watching them wrestle with something that maybe I wrestled something similar two years ago, whatever. Mm And that recognition of like, oh, my goodness gracious, like I don't recognize my capacity shift until I'm able to witness what somebody else is going through. And now because I've been in those rooms, I have something to say about it. I can tell you that there is another side to the coin than what you're struggling with in that particular moment. And and I think it's so important, especially in leadership, that you are constantly surrounding yourself with every stage of walk of Christ Mm -hmm. from the belong before you believe, like, I don't even know if God's real kind of people to the 85-year-old that has this profound wisdom about walking uh, with Christ and stuff. And, like, like recognizing that I, I led a life group one time with somebody who has got one of the purest, beautiful, intimate relationships with Christ. And then I have other people talking about, like... Yeah, I was in the bar and I God's cool and stuff, but I don't know what's going on. And I have four girlfriends or six boyfriends or whatever. You yeah. know, like the, like that's, that those different kind of recognition of walks and stuff like that are able to like keep you fresh and and, and also it's, for me it's a it's it's a reminder constantly that God is just as invested at the beginning of your walk as you are as he is at the end of your life. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and for me that was like a Wow, you were that invested in them here as well as here, kind of thing. And then like, like, oh crap, I'm in that. I'm in that story too. You're you're still just as you were louder in other seasons, but you're still just as invested. And so I, I don't know. It, being able to constantly be surrounded in that is such a cool. Such a, there is there's hope. It's hope. We talk yeah. about that all the time. It's yeah, you're absolutely. surrounded with that. Even it, like people that need hope, people that have got a bunch to share, and just being surrounded in that is so special.
0: Yeah, there was a. Uh, a couple months ago where i was thinking about so uh, i got married like 7 months ago now woof woof. 7 or 8 months ago it's like 7 woof woof. yeah and we uh, were there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh we honeymooned in tennessee and i remember like driving around and like i've always kind of liked the woods anyways like i'm not like a like i don't get out there and hunt or anything like that like i haven't done that in forever but like i've always just like like walking around in like nature and stuff like that i think a lot of people do and but i remember being in tennessee and i was like just driving around, and I remember being in such a good mood. It could have been, you know, I don't have any responsibilities because I'm on a honeymoon, like, all the, all the stuff. But I do remember, like, the like being around the trees and stuff, it, like, did something for me. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And um, this is a, like, this is not scientific. This is not anything like that. But I remember having this thought, like, I really think there's something in us when we're around life. Like, there's something in us that thinks, like, if these things can survive, then maybe we can, too. Yeah. And I think... That's exactly what the church is when it's healthy. I think you walk in and oh, you're like, so good. "There's so much life here," and if these people can live here, then maybe I can too. Maybe I can. Oh, survive it's so good, too. bro. That's so good. That's uh, my love language. Was I love, love that <laughs> plant analogies, man. Yeah, my guy. <laughs> but mm. uh, yeah, that's. I, I think that's why we're, we're supposed to be a beacon for hope. We're, we're a beacon for life, and maybe we're a beacon for hope that people can live. You yeah. know what I mean? But in purpose, yeah. 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 I but love that. Yeah. Your influence
2: is helping stuff grow as well. Like, yeah. like you're, it's symbiotic. Like you're able to, you're benefiting from it too. And then you're also like, wow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that.
1: That's so good. <laughs> the bro. color of
2: that conversation <laughs> was just fantastic. Oh my gosh. Yep.
1: That's money. I think, yeah, uh, I think that's as good a spot to end it as any right, pressing with the mic drop.
0: Woo-woo. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys talking today. Love you, man. Love you guys.
1: Love you.